I guess we should... Let's start. Start. Yeah. All right. Well, welcome everyone to the first episode of Calcutta Art House, a very reverent um, look at uh, Bengali parallel cinema. And we're going to start with a, uh, I guess, a, a masterpiece, which I am not going to try and pronounce. I think we're contractually obligated to call it a masterpiece. Okay. If there were such a thing as a contract which we don't have any sponsors <laughs> out there. <laughs> so Potter Pachali is our first film, which is the, the starting point for the, the Bengali art house cinema movement. Um, it's not the, the, the first uh, Bengali film, but it's the one that made the biggest international splash. It's the first movie by the, the auteur, Shochadut Rai. Potter Pachali means the song of the road, pretty common translation of it. And it's an adaptation of a novel from the late 20s, I think. And uh, it's a story about a family in rural Bengal. And it's a mother, a father, uh, an older daughter and a younger son. Um, the son is born during the, the plot of the movie. Um, but we mostly see him as a, as, a, as a young boy. And the family are poor they're poorer than their neighbors which is probably the 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 key fact about them and it's the film hovers between a tragedy and a melodrama and it's an examination of rural life uh it's beautifully shot it's in black and white i should say which you uh were kind of disappointed by almost annoyed about because you know Having been sent a lot of pictures of random flowers in Calcutta by you over the years, I know that the, the palace is quite striking. Well, and it's the countryside, so, you know, you want that vibrancy. And you get some of that vibrancy from the black and white, yeah. but yeah, you do, you, do, you do lose some. It didn't help that we watched it on a, a very grey day. So I feel it, that to some extent that replicated the kind of the foggy effect and, you know... It felt like being in a black and white movie, watching a black and white movie. It was very... (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, yeah, so it's in in black and white, and it takes... I mean, we saw the remastered version, because there's that kind of sad history about the film getting burned but then it's a very it feels very appropriate isn't it yeah. very bingoli i actually read an article about other directors films being in an even worse state but i don't know that that so why didn't, didn't they colorize it uh well i mean i don't think it was intended to be shot in color okay um, <laughs> i don't know what it would look like i've have, have, i don't know enough about the history of colorization of film to know whether that's ever been done well okay well if any of our putative listeners know about the i mean is it even of... possible i don't i don't know given the mm-hmm. given the film i i mean, if it was black and white film then i assume it can't be colorized it'd be like those restorations of those paintings that you know they tried to do like some random in spain right goes to a church and is like i'll fix this and then it ends up looking you know not great Didn't they do that peter jackson thing where they colorize first world war footage and put some hobbits in no, no. <laughs> no I, I don't know what you're talking about, sorry. There, okay. <laughs> um, there was, we, not only a reference, but also uninformed. There was a Peter Jackson movie that had. I just think putting Hobbits in a First World War movie would lighten the mood. I, I think just, that was the point of Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. In that's point of fact. F- fair. It came out, it was last year, and it's black and white footage of the first world war and then at some point it they colorized it so that it flips into color like the right. wizard of oz right and it's very striking and it's supposed to be emotional or maybe they just did 
sound. I can't remember, but there okay. was some like effect. So I think we. The point is. The point. I, is, I, I don't th- I think. I think we have the technology. Yeah, but I think it would be. It would. It would not be true to the original anyway because the, the film was actually shot in black and white. So I. I don't think it's a case of you know, we would be restoring some aspect but of the original. Would, it would just. Would Ray have done it in color? Would he have done it in color? He just didn't I have the technology. I mean, he 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 shot movies in color later on. So. So. Sure, I, I, I don't know what his thoughts were about. So the the other film that I can think of, uh, the, you know, there are a couple of films, he, a, f- a few films where he, he examines the countryside and rural life and the relationship between the city and the countryside. But those are shot in black and white. Anyway, if any of our putative listeners know anything about colorization, then you should let us know. But it's, it, it, it is an interesting feature of watching the film that you know, it's a movie you would expect about, you know, vistas of the countryside. But actually, while there are some great shots of the countryside, it's not really about the landscape so much. No, it's very, like, undifferentiated, right? Because the monotone, right, of grey to black doesn't really... Yeah. things very sharp. I mean, I, I think if you saw it on a, a huge <laughs> screen, uh, you know, maybe we need to buy a big TV, I don't know. But... Not in the budget. <laughs> I... I mean, I was thinking more of the the interiority of the film. It's it's so focused on, you know, Sharbojaya and, and and Durga that what what you see is the interior of the home, or you see you know the yard outside their their home. But you don't you you get these very deliberate shots of you know them the kids walking through the grasses or the monsoon rain, but um, you don't see or rainstorm, but you don't you don't get as much of the countryside in a film about the countryside as you might anticipate. Which is telling, right? I mean, there's a kind of entrapment in the film, which is particularly symptomatic of the condition of, you know, the the, the life of the women in the film. Did I, I said that, you know, it hovers between tragedy and melodrama, so I think it prepares the audience for, you know, tissues or hankies, if, if that is their likely response to. Yes. Although I will say that by the time the hankies were required, I was so, like, numb by the pace <laughs> and the, it's the, just it's very oppressive because it's it's just black and white and nothing very much happens he was very he was very conscious of that he said that it rambles because it's very yeah. metapoetic right it yeah. rambles because life in the countryside rambles yeah but the effect of it was that i mean it wasn't very hard to figure out what was going to happen and who was going to die what one of one of my students? Oh, we should probably contextualize and say that this podcast is running in parallel with my teaching a class about these movies to some students at UT who are being very brave and intrepid in confronting this unfamiliar material. One of one of them indicated that it was very difficult to follow. Oh. Um, but uh, the, I mean, the plot's pretty simple. Yeah. But I can understand how the unfamiliarity of Basically everything in it might have made it more Well, I was perhaps aided because about five minutes in, you turned to me and said, this is not a happy movie. There's going to be death. And I... Is this the obligatory point where I tell my my mother's side of the the story of watching Bengali cinema? Oh, yes, please. So my my mother always... I mean, she loves these movies and we can talk a little bit about how, you know, I, I, I kind of know these films both through watching them but also through their, like creative synopsis by 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 my mother so uh, it's probably like why i like wikipedia so much because it's just you know synopses of movies 
It's a very, very true to my experience of hearing about films and hearing my, <laughs> my mother's synopses of them. So she said that, you know, you, you, you watch these films and everyone's wearing like a, you know, a white sari because, you know, they're widows or you know, the, the events inevitably take a downturn or several downturns throughout the film. And she's like, you know, how about, how about some colour and some dancing and some, <laughs> and some music and song? Um, I mean, there's plenty of music, but, you know, it's more mournful music or reflective music and... Well, I mean, we should say, obviously, that this this whole movement, right, in Bengali cinema is, is precisely a response to Bollywood. He's, uh, yeah, Rai certainly is very critical of it. Yeah, I mean, he's critical, it's weird, he's critical of it and its effect on the audience. He's just like, we don't have the audience for... You know the, the the type of movie that I want to make. Yeah, so, and it is I mean, quite... obviously there is an audience, but it is not the mainstream audience. Yeah, and I mean, we should probably talk about that in a different episode. But there is a whole sort of thinking here about the Indian audience, film audience, as part of sort of Indian nation building and kind of India taking its place in in the world. Yeah. So but... the effect of this film was in some ways to establish the cinema internationally but you know his his whole oeuvre is is very bengali it's very regional right. um i mean you know we can make points about it's kind of it's it's global or humane qualities for sure but i mean it is you know he he, he made a very limited number of hindi movies maybe just one the 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 chess players which is which is a great movie but yeah his films are in bengali there's there's one documentary in english and he, uh, you know, he he is very much adapting Bengali literature, and that that's that that's the dominant culture of of his entire. Of. I can also hear share the story about your mother, who once pointed out to me that you know I I am obviously not Bengali, and someone else in the family married a a nice girl from Punjab, and another one married a, a nice girl from Orissa, and. Nobody wants to marry an Indian girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, there, there is a lot of regional identity. I mean, I guess that's one of the other things that the student... I don't know that your mother would have wanted me to tell that story, so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, the, 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 the students, too, are starting to excavate the layers of regional identity. I mean, if you're coming from America and you're... You know, you're exposed to some aspects of kind of current affairs and global history, but not a huge amount. Then the world can seem like a very flat place in the sense of, you know, there is India, there is China, right? But, <laughs> the country of South Asia. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the idea of layering, you know, regional identities, tribal identities. I mean, tribes feature a fair bit in Rise Over as well. Mm. And, and actually in the other, um, you know, Bengali films that we're gonna we're gonna look at the more you look at the countryside the more you're gonna you know think about indigenous people and their culture and so that's important but that's that's actually i mean really stretching you know most people's range of familiarity and reference especially if the first thing they think about is is bollywood yeah so this is not it if you've come here expecting if you've come here for sharik khan then i'm sorry (laughs) i mean i'm sure he'll come up he might. I mean, my, my family just doesn't watch Hindi movies. As in my, my, my immediate family. I can, you know, phone up some cousins and say, you know, be a guest and tell us about Hindi <laughs> cinema. But it's not my thing. Probably because I can't speak Hindi. <laughs> there is that. There is that. 
Okay, so should we talk about poverty? Or do you have more to say about... About the film? I mean... <laughs> about about the, co- the plot of the film? It's I mean, not there's not... A, there's not much of a plot. Things, you know, you should just be prepared for things to go downhill. You know, I think it's it's reasonable. I don't think it's it's a huge plot spoiler once we've already talked about death to say that, you know, not all of the members of the family will will be around at the end of the film. Well, since you said a downturn, I I will I will say that sort of the movie starts with Mrs. Mukherjee on on her roof, right, and she's complaining about Durga. Well, she prays before that, right? Oh, right. She does have puja. She does the... have and then she complains about Durga stealing fruits from the orchard and then right the camera shifts to to Durga running away and she's obviously on the ground and throughout the film Durga goes to visit friends and there's a scene where I can't remember is it the scene where they buy ladus and the mother like the daughter offers Durga a ladu and the mother's like don't offer the I can't remember so she says I think she says shorbat or something like that but I, the, yeah the sweets but anyway they, yeah. they, the family then goes up on the roof yeah. and Durga and the kids stay on the bottom and, and it, it then it occurs to me that they're always like on the ground on ground level don't right? they, they don't have don't the kids go up at some point and play on the roof but Opu stays down at the bottom he's always like observing from yeah like ground level yeah but the, the Roys, I have now learned that they are from reading the Wikipedia article, because nowhere in the movie, I think, does it... I don't, I don't remember. Right, they're, they're not just down on their luck, metaphorically, they're, like, physically... Oh, yes, very much so. They're physically down, whereas yeah. the... Not, um, not only do they, you know, they not have a roof to stand on, but at one point they don't have a roof, a roof at, to, all. at all. Right, <laughs> at all. exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, whereas the, the Mukherjee's, who are Brahmins, I assume... Are on, um, the, are on the yeah. on the roof. India being the kind of place where people hang out on the roof. Uh, and yeah, also I mean being the kind of place where people now have roof gardens because well, I mean, that's cool. We sh- we should we should try and make that happen here. Yes, yes, that would be that would be delightful. Yeah, as we said, sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> we have a wish list. <laughs> so I guess that's a good segue to talk about start. Let's talk about poverty, which is kind of the, I guess, the real hero of the, the film. Um, I, I like that we went kind of cinematographical for like a brief period and talked about sight lines. And then we, we deviated from that since neither of us has a lot more to say about <laughs> things that require actual film studies expertise. But Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, so this movie kind of interestingly opened at the MoMA rather than in, in India. Yeah. At an exhibition about like the arts and textiles of yeah, to there was a... and and it wasn't it didn't have subtitles because Ray kind of did it all by hand or something like that and it was rushed and and it opened to favorable reviews and then later on it opened in India to like mixed reviews and right. then slowly it started getting more popular and I'm just trying to imagine like MoMA in the fifties like seeing this black and white film in Bengali with no subtitles and like I've now been around Bengalis enough that I like can pick up some of the the words and like the well you understand the cadence and what that signifies but I like I picked up nothing in that movie it was very like it was much faster it was like like a much more well the audio wasn't the audio wasn't great like the pronunciation was kind of more clipped 
Like the only person I could like pick out words was actually the the father. Yes, um, which, he, he he enunciated. Well, which interestingly, he's the clearly. only one of the speaking actors who who has a who's a film actor. Yeah, he was a film actor, and his all, all the rest are like either amateur or stage. He's also playing the part of someone who speaks, you know, professionally. Yeah. So that that's very marked, but yeah. certainly some of the some of the speakers, like some of the neighbors, it's a little bit difficult to yeah. hear. So you know, this movie opens in two very different places. Um, I mean, the moment thing's kind of interesting because it's like a it, you know it 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 also attests to the strange funding of the film, yeah. where like money came from you know rice selling jewelry it came from his family's his, his wife's it came from i mean with, with her permission um it came from you know the government of west bengal it came from uh, american backers and so yeah um it was a movie that took a long time to make took about three years to make and came out in 55 and uh, yeah i mean he says that the you know a few of the things he was really terrified about since the film was taking a long time was one of the characters, one of the f- f- the family members, the the aunt of uh, the. Uh... This is not a spoiler safe space. If you're here, we assume that. Yes. Want to know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, 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 he was terrified that she was going to die because she was, she was just a, a, an older, an older woman, and he was also worried about Apu's voice breaking during the course of filming yeah. the movie. But neither Although, of those happened. Apu doesn't say very much. He doesn't say very much. Yes. But yeah, you know, we were talking about poverty. I guess my point was that. You know, the MoMA is this very grand space with that, like, rotunda, and, you know, it's kind of, like, immensely wealthy by definition. So, yeah, and given its location. And here's this movie that tries to not even tell a story, but just kind of... That was what the audience show... presumably was there for, though, right? To some extent. Well, I hope so. Otherwise, they were in for a, for quite an experience. But it, was, it must have been very jarring, because the movie's... It's not even a story about poverty. It's just kind of like, I don't know, a vivisection of what being poor. Yeah, I, like. I, I, I have tried to, you know, encourage my students to, to move away from that. I mean, the, the, the film criticism for a while was fixated a little bit on the poverty. But I, I don't know that there's a hugely productive discussion to be had about, you know, whether it's romanticized or not. And we'll probably be coming back to that theme a few times as we talk about the film but the students were also very struck by the poverty they were primed for it to some extent i mean we're not going to talk about this at length but i showed them like the movie that we saw uh, that was kind of prep for them louis mal's documentary from the subsequent decade about calcutta which was cut from his phantom india documentary i mean that is very focused on poverty and you know that also got some criticism especially in india for dwelling on that to the exclusion of of, of other things and what, what did you call you talked you, you referred to the orientalizing gaze i think yeah yeah and it's very sort of fetishizing as well right this and i mean it is it is true. Well, this movie cool. didn't do that i don't think this movie did that at all i mean when when i came to calcutta the first time and only time i should say if you come out of the airport and within a second you're surrounded by almost like a series of cliches, right? There was a cow and someone was like peeing on the wall and within a minute there's like, there was a burst pipe and there's yeah. people just like banging on the windows and showing you their baby and they're like, you know, 
gangrenous limbs and it's very the way you imagine it and this movie was very free of it well you imagine it if you've been fed a diet of yeah if you were like city of joy yeah yeah um i mean i think actually right as you know you know educated western observers you probably set aside those things precisely because they are cliched and so you probably travel somewhere and say it's not you know you 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 won't necessarily see that so i mean that that is also that that can be a little bit surprising so it's not that the you know the, the the cliche is not true but it is it is revealing of some things that are, you know, factually accurate. Yeah. This this kind of poverty is almost like middle class poverty, right? They have they have a home, right? They're in their ancestral community. They're not displaced. They have. I mean, they they also have connections to their relatives. Yeah. That's why they're there, actually. Right. Yeah. You know, the the wife goes on about how the children go hungry, but they they seem to always have food or ways of acquiring food so at some point they they borrow money right they they i mean he does he the 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 father does earn some money yeah they they earn some money right and they're not you know they're not kind of they're not refugees right right the contrast with you know some of the people who feature in the the mal documentary for instance is is yeah it's pretty pretty striking and in in some sense this poverty is is chosen right like the the father who is a priest right he wants to to make a living sort of teaching and writing and kind of living a very sort of middle class life of the mind um and his wife is pushing him to to take any job in order to to pay the bills and clothe the children and fix the house yeah so i wonder right he keeps saying whatever god ordains is the right thing right it will be okay but at least part of the problem that this family faces is man-made right and i use (laughs) yeah um so one one thing is i i don't know um you know it's natural to use terminology like middle class but i i don't know how easily it transfers in this particular context so yeah i mean is he educated absolutely but i don't know that that constitutes it it maps onto class in some way but it's, it's a little bit different from you know our fairly unified conceptions of class the way we colloquially use the term where you know middle class means you have a certain amount of wealth typically as well as education right um or you know a profession and 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 that's not the case here so one of the students very very sensitively you know began uh, her her comment in class by saying you know you know i i, I never want to condemn someone for having idealistic aspirations but <laughs> and you know it, it went on to contrast the, you know, the pragmatism of the the mother shorodo with the with the father horihara and yeah i it, it is a the predicament they face is largely a product of his choices that he makes for all of them you're absolutely right and he he regrets it in the end. Yeah. I mean that's that's the thing that I think you know people maybe miss out on when they they fixate on the poverty that it's not really the poverty. It's about you know it's about choices. It's about principles. It's about conflicting ideals. And it's sure it's about the effects of of poverty and the constraints they place on people and their autonomy. But yeah, it's not really about the poverty per se, and it certainly doesn't romanticize it. Yeah. Well, I think I also thought the interesting thing is the, right, the, the isolation. We talked a little bit about, before we started recording, about how right, a lot of the scenes are, are in the yard 
or no, we talked about it just like 10 minutes ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, time and space mean nothing. But right, even though the, the movie itself is very long and, and rambling, it's also very closed, right? And, and interior. And even though they're very embedded, right? There's an interesting tension there between the fact that they're very embedded in a community, they have neighbors, they have relatives, right? At the end, there's this like council of, of village elders that come around and say, oh, why didn't you come talk to us before you decided to leave? Right. That seemed a little passive aggressive. It did seem But no one, other than Mrs. Mukherjee, no one seems to actively want to, to harm this family. Like they're, they seem well liked and well entrenched in their community. But at the same time, part of what the movie does is sort of like track how like their increasing poverty kind of isolates them from the people around them. Yeah. I mean, there is a certain amount of the the community, I think, not adequately recognizing what is happening to this family. I mean, really, right, recognition only comes pretty late, you know, once, once things have really gone off the rails. Yeah. I, I want to say one thing about Oppo, I guess, which is, which is about poverty, which is... Rai has another film, uh, like a short, uh, which is part of... Uh, competition sponsored by Esso, the oil company. And it was it's called Two, it's a silent movie, and it's about the interaction between two boys, one poor, uh, one wealthy. He has that same spatial arrangement where um, the boy from a poor background is outside, uh, he's playing with a bow and arrow and stuff like that, and then the wealthy kid is on the second story of a building looking down on him. And the... the the, the, the wealthy boy is kind of antagonistic to the poorer boy, but playing with him. And then the film culminates with, it's like a 15-minute movie, um, it culminates, uh, you know, they have this escalating kind of play war, and it culminates with the uh, the, the older boy shooting, with like a, a BB gun or something, shooting the, 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 the poorer boy's kite from the air. And then the poor boy's very disappointed and then just wanders off. And then the, you see the, 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 the rich boy surrounded by all of these kind of gizmo toys like robots and things like that but actually he's kind of sad because he doesn't have anyone to play with so even though he was being you know he's being a right royal spoiled pain he kind of recognizes that it you know it was it was wrong it was a mistake and it was to his ultimate disadvantage to you know just exploit his you know his toys and his, his weapon i suppose to you know to, to to push this this poor boy away and I think that, to some extent, is also at play with the right the characterization of Oppo. I think this is where people get that romanticized idea from that Oppo is very happy in his surroundings. Mm. Well, I mean, of course he is. He's a young boy. I mean, you know, there's there's mud. There's the outdoors. He gets to shoot his bow and arrow. I mean, what you know, every every kid would like that. Um, well, but I would. <laughs> well, yeah, um, but that's not the same as romanticizing poverty. That's just you know. A very naturalistic depiction of what it is to be a young kid without responsibilities growing up completely embedded in your environment literally your environment right your natural yeah. environment but i wouldn't infer from that that somehow we're supposed to see the entire you know rural life as some kind of idyll i mean that's pretty pointedly not the case yeah well and especially and we'll come back to sort of the gender relations in a bit but 
Otto doesn't seem... I mean, I'm sure he has friends, right? He plays tic-tac-toe with them in, in that weird <laughs> yeah. shop school. I love that, um, yeah. Which is great. There's this, this guy who's the school teacher, and he's also selling, like... He's selling, like, you know, puffed rice puffed and things rice like that. And yeah. like that. And, While yeah. doing dictation. Yeah. <laughs> Getting them to di- take and dictation. It's, <laughs> you know, talk about entrepreneurial spirit in higher education. Yeah. But, um, uh, for my next class, I will be taking wares to sell. <laughs> yeah. But, Zoom is the only thing standing in the way. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the pandemic is, is... I mean, you take cakes to class. I don't sell them. Well, I'm just saying, maybe you should. I mean, we'll have to look at the... Uh, Academic cakes on Instagram. <laughs> we'll have to check the uh, best practices guide for this kind of thing. But other than that, he doesn't have friends or... He doesn't seem to... It, well, he has his sister, that's the I thing. I mean, he, he might. He might have friends, but we never see them. Whereas whereas Durga, the sister, does like have friends and, yeah. and have you know, heart-to-heart conversations with them and goes to their house and, uh, like, she she has a, a social life which she maintains on top of, you know, the drudgery of being a girl in, in, in a village, right? So... Um, yeah. And I forgot where we were going with this, but I'm sure there was well, some... Much something. like the film, we are just... Yeah. observing. And, and, you know, proceeding, yeah. but not necessarily in a straight line. But so I wanted to bring... Up something else, which is kind of random, but we can kick it around a bit and see. So you mentioned toys and stuff, and obviously we sit here surrounded by our, our children's piles of, of crap. Even as, you know, the people today are very right. You know, we, we keep saying that we want to marry Condo the house and get rid of... I mean, to be fair, we, we purchase the, the stuff that we're surrounded by, so... It's not like well, they obtain... Them. Yeah, not all of it, but... but yeah. No, I'm not blaming them. I'm yeah. just saying that. Our children don't need to weaponize their toys. They can weaponize any number of things. <laughs> um, but people people today are very into sort of minimalism and, and getting rid of, of your stuff and... Right. right? And... And obviously, a lot of people have noted that... I don't think they want to give away their roof, though. No. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah. Generally speaking. But a lot of people have noticed that this movement is very sort of wealthy. Um, yeah, it's like, I want my MacBook and my super nice standing desk, but I don't want anything else. Well, yeah, but it's also predicated on like, oh, well, you haven't cooked rice in two years, so why don't you get rid of your rice cooker that doesn't spark joy? But if you ever want to buy yourself another rice cooker, then... Oh, um, you, you could. Then you could. Right. And this is very antithetical to, I think, you know, real poverty, but also just like a non-Western ethos, right? I'm thinking about your dad's attic, which is full of duplicates for you know, any emergent emergency. And I I mean I don't I mean I don't wanna say that, you know, people like Marie Kondo are advocating like real poverty, but I, I, I do think No, I mean like you say, basically the or the opposite, right? Right. Yeah. That, but but I, I think there is something sort of in our, our culture which is, you know, wealthy and, and prosperous that that really kinda of does struggle with sort of whether we define poverty as being class-based or kind of possession-based or... Yeah, so that film too is absolutely about like wealth and materialism um, and that, and that you know, crops up in, in, in other films of hers, feature films of hers. But... And it's also a kind of, right, there's a, a religious aspect to it as well, right? Like, I know. mean, poverty is not about, you know 
clutter. It's about real serious constraints on your choices. And that's what the film depicts, right? And I think actually that that's, you're right. That's where there's scope for misunderstanding here, where we take a kind of modern kind of quirky conception of, you know, how we exist in space in relation to material things and then maybe mistakenly apply it to some other scenario and that's how the romantic that's how bad romanticization happens right you're like ah you know i will give up i don't know i've never seen eat pray love but i just i just want to satirize it i just i I mean irreverent and uninformed is our byline oh that's true yeah so i bet i I bet that movie illustrates this (laughs) (laughs) yeah but i mean maybe you know watching a film like this is right it's a job right not just because it is very long and nothing much happens and it's all black and white and the sitar music kind of I mean, it depends what kind of movies you you're used to watching so I mean, it isn't for me. I mean, we joke about the rambling thing, but I mean, I, you know, I, you I don't... You are a rambler of note. Uh, yeah, so maybe it's just, you know, just it's my kind of vibe. But yeah, I, I don't have that. Obviously, people who watch a lot of art house cinema, they're not going to bat an eyelid. It's going to seem completely normal to, uh, you know, a lot of viewers. But sure, for the majority of people, it's going to seem glacial even (laughs) (laughs) Um, but my point wasn't so much about the the glacialness I guess I had a bunch of unrelated points that part of Ray's like cinematography is is this focus on stuff and presence and kind of being in the moment right if only because there's no escape right and these are Right, part of the concepts that drive today's wellness culture. And so there's an interesting tension there between this idea that you divest yourself of stuff and you focus on your experience as a way of finding, like, you know, mindfulness and health and, and relaxation. Yeah. And, and this very, this other very stark reality that basically says, yeah, if you don't have things and you don't have options, and right, like and yeah, there's just a gap there, right? I mean, one is anti-materialistic, and the other one is, you know, you need some basic resources in order to, you know, in order to flourish. Yeah, and I guess the other thing is that you you mentioned that you you wanted to talk a bit about sort of the audience and and the sort of Indian experience of yeah, so. Uh, the f- the film is set pre-partition, but it's obviously made post-partition, and so the audience of you know middle-class Bengalis who are watching it in the you know fifties and sixties, their their own connection to you know village life. I mean, not not all of them would have had it. Some will have done, but it would be distant. You know, like my my father, for instance. So. There is a, I mean, I think you were pointing out, right? It's not analogous to a Western audience where for most people, there'll just be no lived experience. It's going to map particularly well onto what you see. You know, for a good chunk of that audience, you know, they might have grown up in a, uh, you know, a rural environment. I mean, not in the poverty of Opus family, but nevertheless, they'll be familiar with the landscape. They'll be familiar with the kind of the rhythms of life. You know the centrality of the 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 pond to um, you know to 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 existence. Um, you know the coming by of 
various various people selling you know, sweets and so on and so forth. So that connection will be there, but then their experience will also be defined by the transformation that's occurred over the past 10, 20 years where uh, you know people have flooded into the city from the countryside, especially from what's now Bangladesh. And so, yeah, I mean, there's going to be a, a... I mean, I don't take it to be a bad romanticization. It's going to be a sense of there was a rootedness and a relationship to the environment that to some extent has been, you know, has, has, has changed. And I think it's okay to be romantic about that. I mean, I, I was saying earlier, right? I mean, being romantic about something isn't necessarily being completely impractical and saying I'm going to you know, up sticks and move back to my village or whatever. <laughs> I mean, that seems to be what's well, which is also in the very, film, right? Very popular in, in culture now, right? Like, there's there's any number of films like the, the Heart of Dixie, and you know, um, I haven't watched that. I I didn't think you would. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I didn't watch it either. But but basically, like, summer from from the DOC goes back to. Or is assigned to I don't know. She goes and lives in like a small town in in Tennessee. Okay. But right, but there is a there is a tranche of like popular culture, popular culture. She says <laughs> from the Ivory Tower. Um, you know, like shows and films and, and whatnot that are yeah. about, like it's a it's a pretty worn out trope, right? Like city city person goes back to to country, hates it, and then yeah. so how, is enamored of like. So the, one of the distinguishing features here here is you know. Horihara refers to going back to his ancestral home. Like, there's an actual personal connection to a specific place. And, you know, relatives are there. And that's what you're leaving behind. So it's not some kind of abstract, you know, city-country division that I, you know, I I guess is probably the the, the main theme in, you know, American representations. Um, I mean, I I don't know. There 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 are people who go back to their small hometown or something, but that that's quite different. I mean, the the quality of rural life as represented in Potapatli and the quality of urban life as represented in like Oprajito and um, you know Oprushongshar is quite quite markedly different. And then there's this added and very important layer of a real familial connection, you know, connections to rituals and. Just, just very Roman, since we're both classicists, we should, we should say. Well, except I'm not a historian, so I always feel I, you know, I, I refer to these things without having a fully adequate understanding of them in the Roman world. Maybe we should get Celia as a guest. Unlike Bengali cinema, on which you are. No, I'm saying it's com- completely consistent with that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, since we've started kind of appropriately rambling, should we talk a little bit about the the, the train scene? Oh, I love trains. You do love trains, but not in a, again, not in a knowledgeable way. I just I just like kind of being on them or you know near them, near them. But I don't I don't really want to know what type they are or what number they. Are. I don't care about that. It's pretty boring. I see a theme developing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the the train scene is one of the. Right, iconic, like, iconic, yeah. Highlight, uh, not just of the film, but of like Indian film. Have we rebuilt it up too much? I mean, it's basically I, like you see a train. Yeah. But it is iconic. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I guess tra- 
trains are iconic anyway, right? Like, doesn't there are other Bengali films in which uh, doesn't like trains are iconic? Start with like a train like rushing at the audience and all the audience freaking out because it might come out right, right? So isn't like seeing a train just like the the programmatic moment of all cinema? I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Toller Express, Snowpiercer, yeah. Murder on the Orient Express. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, in the book... Great the, train scene in Zootopia as well. There is. It's my favorite scene I don't in, know. in Zootopia. With the uplifting notes of Shakira. To, yes. Yeah, I know. Yes. And yeah. what does the train lead to? You know, the big city. The big city. Yeah. Well, then it... From, from Bunnyborough. Bunnyborough. Yeah. yeah. Carrot farming. Yeah. yeah. I never thought of Zootopia as a, a reception of... Uh, Oh, I'm just saying that, you know, yeah, sure, trains are related to... Because, right, you, you were thinking about trains and modernity yes. and modernization, and that remains true in Disney in 2016 yes. or whatever, whenever Zootopia came out. So I'm, I'm told by the interwebs that in, in Rise, Uber, yeah. right, trains symbolize modernity and a kind of unveiling of, of another, another world. Like, you know, yeah. the great city of Zootopia. But we should say that in the novel that this movie is based on, the kids hear the train. Trains don't honk. What do they do? They... Uh, hoot. Hoot. Toot. Toot. <laughs> um, and, and they're very curious about it and they, they want to go and see it, um, but they never do. Whereas in the movie, Apu sees the train. Yeah, you made a really good point about this. Yeah. But yeah. Durga trips over him. Yeah. And so it doesn't actually... I mean, that's pretty laden with significance, it. right? Like, I mean... What? Only... Well, I, yeah, anyway. Go yes. on. No, I can't. Too, too, too much. Yeah, I can't, can't, I, can't, I can't elaborate on that without... Without? Without spoiling things. I think you can spoil things. This is... Are we just shedding all pretense to, yes. you know, preserving the pristine experience? For... If anyone, like, watches Aww. this movie to find out what happens, then... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know... <laughs> Only one of these children is going to experience modernity in the form of, you know, urban urban existence. Yes. Hint, it's not the girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The long-suffering girl. The long-suffering I mean, we should just come Women are long-suffering. Like, I mean, that, that, that is... Uh, Durga dies, which is interesting on a number of levels. Obviously, because her name is Durga, right? And she's named after a goddess yeah. who is supposed to be... Well, I mean, the central member of certainly the Bengali pantheon, right? Right. Yeah. And by virtue of being a goddess is not only immortal, but also is supposed to be protective, right? Presumably that's why she's called Durga. Yeah. And is referred to as Ma, right? Yeah. yeah. No, I meant the, the, the girl. Like, presumably when parents give their names... Yeah, I mean... Give it, their kids' names of goddesses part of what they are trying to invoke. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, certainly in a novel, right, where things are just laden with additional significance, yeah. right? And then... Right, she... Um, but she never gets to be a mother. Yes. And at some point she does say, right, she, she tells her friend... Is it Ranu or Tuno? I can't remember which one. One of her friends is getting married. And yeah. They, they have a chat about it. And Dorga says, oh, it's never going to happen for me. I, I have a feeling. Yeah. Um, which is pretty... <laughs> but in the end, before she's in the storm, right, she does pray by the, you know, the plant. Yeah. And she's clearly like... Rushing it. Yeah, but she's also maturing, right? I mean, she's adopting the practices and behaviours of, you know, Mukherjee and of her mother and of, you know, of um, her aunt. And, you know, she just never gets to fulfil that. Yeah. Well, that scene I thought was actually, 
you know, interesting because right, she's doing puja, and then she she clearly at some point notices either that it's raining or she wants to go play, and and she starts rushing it, and she like yeah picks up quite a lot of speed yeah. towards the end, and I guess I didn't. I mean, it is like kind of liminal moment where she yeah like chooses right between the responsibilities of a woman and of a but she's still pretty young but yeah she is she is is pretty young but she so the the cause of her death isn't specified seems Um, to be you know the rain yeah but she plays in the rain for too long and catches a cold and then the doctor says just make sure to keep her warm but then there's this massive storm that like destroys the house and in, in a not at all like signal like yeah. late moment. Yeah. And then and then she dies and, and it kind of basically looks like she dies from being poor. Yes. Um yes. but you know in our kind of pandemic moment I also thought it, it is I, I did think it was quite interesting that disease doesn't really play any role in this view of, of poverty, right? Because one of the things You mean until the end. I mean, with her death. Yeah, but right, one of the things that that poverty entails, and this is true today um, in the U.S. as much as everywhere, is that poor people are more susceptible to disease, both because they are less, they have less access to healthcare, and because they're more stressed and and have less good nutrition and you know living conditions and and so on and so forth. But this this village seems very healthy. I mean, I just I don't know that it's. I, mean, he, I don't think he's interested in a kind of panoptic view of, you know, it's not like a, I, I, I don't think it's, like, it's not like a sociological text in the form of a movie. Yeah. So I, I mean, think I he is kind of selective. Famine and plague. The the Louis Mal documentary is like a, it is very concerned with you know like leper communities yeah. and you know the you know pr- pr- pretty awful conditions in which people die. So maybe that 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 kind of appears a couple of times during the documentary. Yeah. But you know that that is a documentary. This this is yeah. This isn't so much concerned with that. But going back to the the train scene, so Durga trips over him, which you know obviously is a point about like her gender encumbering her. Um, and then when they come back, they find Pishi dead. Right. Or Durga finds her. Yeah. Right. Which again is a is a change from the original novel, where she dies much earlier with adults present so Rai seems to be making like a conscious like shift here to kind of signal pretty much as hard as he can that being a woman he's he yeah he's he's very sympathetic and thinks that you know social conditions are working against the interests of women and you know partly it is a product of yeah i mean narrow-mindedness it's a product of kind of concretized convention yeah i'm very much so I mean, you know, it remains to be seen. Obviously, he didn't plan out the sequels. It kind of, it only emerged once the first film was successful. They'd make the second film, and um, we'll we'll see how that gets developed. But yeah, I mean, in general, the people who have autonomy are men first, Horihara, and then later it'll be Opu. Yeah, I mean, she's. I mean, he really is very confident because she at one point, Shorbajaya at one point says that you know you have. You know, hopes and aspirations, and you know, did you? I mean, I can't remember exactly what she says, but she she basically says, you know, they they get lost. Mm. Um, so it's not that she is without idealism, right? It's not that you have you know one person who's purely idealistic and another person who's purely pragmatic. Like her pragmatism is enforced, 
Right. Right. Partly by you know the conditions obtaining on gender and you know from 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 societal construction, but partly because she, yeah, I mean she 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 is she's forced to set aside you know, hopes that she might have had. Now Horihar too is not purely idealistic, right? I mean he he has worked for portions of his life earning money when what he wants to do is just write plays and but yeah i mean he is he is clearly too optimistic too idealistic you know i mean interestingly i just saw when i was prepping beforehand that the movie originally came out as the story it was titled the story of apu and dorga mm. and then later on it became known as as pater panchali and the trilogy became right the opera trilogy the opera trilogy yeah. I mean, Bother Bradley is just the, the title of the book. Yeah. Yeah. But but wasn't the kind of original. And, yeah. and you know, it's, it's kind of a perfect demonstration of, of what happens, right? The, this, this first movie is very much about Durga and, and her mother. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, Apu is, is kind of a, a cipher. And actually, various points I found him quite irritating because he's he's very childish. I mean, he's meant to be, right? Because I mean, he's, he's kind of young. like the way he kind of says chitty, 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 when she, he's holding the letter, yeah. but he doesn't describe the letter any importance. He's just like, you know, it's fun to be carrying it and waving it around, and then he runs yeah. around and kind of throws it on the ground, and then he, in order, I mean, he's he's sweet, but like there is a way in which he is like constitutionally as a child unable to understand what's going on around him, nor he should he, right? But that is also a little jarring. I mean, it can be a little, you know, you're you're trying to focus on, you know, the deep world of the mother or, you know, or Durga, right? But Well, and also, like, he is allowed to be... And again, this is part of the ways in which the, the poverty in, in this movie is somewhat sanitized. Like, he is allowed to be a happy little boy. Right, he's not, he he's not get, work, he's not laboring. He, yeah, he doesn't yeah. get sent out to labor. He, he seems very... But I don't think it's sanitized because I, the... I don't think he's... I don't think Rai's saying, I am going to take, you know, a real situation in which someone is at the worst end of the poverty spectrum right. and then I'm going to, you know, whitewash it. It's rather, this is just yeah. rural existence, right? I mean, forget about where it is on the spectrum. All that matters is that it's it's not great for the family and also... Crucially, it's relatively that they're less well off than their neighbours. Yeah, but the although people, there's that whole like maybe the neighbours stole the orchard yeah. classic. I love that. Part. Yeah. Um, Who knows if it's true? But. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the mother's like, oh, they're picking like bushelfuls of our fruit while I mean, right? We're Durga's only taking a, a handful. A handful, right? and but you know, if you think about the flip side of it, so the the uncharitable reading is that Mrs. Mukherjee's is being stingy, right? And and having, you know, stolen this orchard from its rightful owner can spare, like, a couple of guavas. Mm. But a more charitable reading is that, well, maybe they're too in a somewhat precarious situation where, like, caring about a couple of guavas does actually make a difference. I mean, that, it doesn't seem I mean, to be the seem, case. They seem to be able to buy what they want, right? I mean, they, they, they buy sweets, they buy jewellery. I mean, maybe not hugely expensive, but they do seem to... Be. They just seem to be frustrated, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, she, she is kind of like a panto villain a little yeah. bit, right? And we're meant to kind of enjoy that to some extent. Well, but she... She does have that great scene at the end when they leave, right? And, and she, she says she that... Comes... Basically, she says, you know, 
village life makes you small-minded. Yeah, and and then she says, and it's she, yeah, it makes you small-minded and petty, and and that's what's happened to me. Yeah, so, it's like, great. Yeah, yeah, everyone learns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but my point about Apple was more that so the people who seem to suffer directly are you know Durga who you know dies, the mother who's having to like keep the family going right, and and Pishi right who isn't being allowed to kind of grow old or to, to spend the end of her days in, in her ancestral home, right, by is having to shuttle back and forth. And there's a lot of tension between her and the mother because, right, she steals food from the kitchen and they don't have a lot to be... Yeah, with. so, I mean, this is... Um, so, so there is this, like, you know, three women who are each in their own way dealing with this right lack of resources whereas apu gets like literally hand-fed rice and gets to like run around well there's definitely privileging i mean that's another thing that rai's looking at right which is the the privilege of being born a boy as opposed to being born a girl yeah absolutely you know durga just gets scolded a lot yeah Um, well at some point she gets kicked out of the house yeah and yeah that's yeah and then, you know, it's partly age difference. It's, you know, partly second children. We know that. Like, you, you, <laughs> you do sometimes let the second get away with things that you might not have done the first yes. time around. But, yes. We love yeah. you, Ella. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but there's clearly more to it that is gendered. Yeah. So, I think we have rambled on long enough. Uh, I mean, so how I many listeners do you think we have at this point left? Colin. Just Colin. Yeah, who's okay. getting paid to listen, so. That's true. I think we should uh, we should invite questions. I don't know in what format or sent to what address. Uh, By Telegram. By Telegram. Questions on the postcard, please. No, we should totally have a question and answer. I mean, given the acuity and informativeness of our <laughs> commentary to date, I'm okay. sure the listeners are avidly then, waiting then for their questions. Then send us comments and, and questions to... On any topic. On any topic. Because we're um, uninhibited. And, and uninformed. <laughs> to what? Calcuttaourhouse at gmail.com? Forward slash internet. <laughs> I don't know. I don't... <laughs> um, in some sort of contact situation we'll 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 stick it on the podcast yeah we'll stick it on the on the show notes and and you can um politely address us (laughs) with with questions and comments we will be back next week with possibly an even greater movie possibly the the best part of the trilogy who knows this is heretical because no, Pantali is supposed to be. But Pantali is 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 famous because it's the first and it's a great movie and it is often cited and like you know best of lists. But yeah, some some people say Opera Jitsu is is the best of the three, and then some people say Opera Shankar is the best of the three. But just letting you know, the quality you know does not dip. Like Toy years, Story. <laughs> I, I thought that Opera Jitsu was in fact Japanese. I mean, Kurosawa would have very you know. He's very impressed by it. <laughs> um, so we will be back with possibly an even greater film about poverty in other places in India. In the city. In the city. Yeah. Um, and possibly some updates from the England-India uh, test series, which may or may not start by then. And other thoughts. Will it be India A or India B or C? 
or D. Yeah, they have a lot of players at this point. They, they, they do have a lot of players. Some of them from villages, just like... Will, will anyone else score any runs for England other than Joe Root? Who, you know, to be fair, has scored like seven Brazilian runs already, but... You realise at this point even Colin is not listening. <laughs> <laughs> So on that note, thank you for uh, joining us on this romp through Patrick uh, and join us next week for more of the same. Bye. 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 <laughs>